Hey, good evening, everybody. So glad you guys are here to join us to worship Jesus tonight. My name is Dan Halleck, and uh, I'm so glad you're here. Over the past four Sundays, we've been in a sermon series called The Cast of Christmas. And we've looked in the Bible to read about the different individuals, some of them you heard about in this movie, that God included in the story of Jesus' birth. And there were prophets, there were angels, there were shepherds, there were kings, there were even wise men from the Far East. And, and most of these people were thrilled that Jesus was born, but a few of them were so angry about Jesus' birth that they actually tried to kill the baby Jesus. How do you feel about the birth of Jesus tonight? When you see nativity scenes depicting the, the newborn Jesus with his parents in a stable, what comes to your mind? And, and why have a nativity scene at all? Why, why, do we, why do we set up nativity scenes? Do we, do we do this simply because it's a religious tradition? Is there any truth behind the story that the nativity represents? Is this just an ancient legend that many people want to be true? What is your gut reaction to the birth of Jesus Christ as we portray it in the nativity? I want to introduce to you a, a new friend of mine, okay? So I'm going to see if he's, if he's here. Okay. Come on out. Everybody, welcome up. This is Tessa Bonifield. Tessa, you come right up here. And this is baby Ethan. Baby Ethan Isaiah. Let me see if I can get a room. Because I'm sure he's ready to talk for us. So, can you show his face to the crowd? I know it's hard. You might have to turn around a little bit. You guys, just look at this little guy. Sorry over there. I know it's hard to see. Tessa, how, how old is Ethan today? Ethan is two weeks old today. Two weeks old today. That's awesome. And I imagine he's keeping you on his toes. At this point, what, is, what does Ethan do with his time? Uh, he pretty much eats. He eats? And sleeps and sleeps. snuggles and eats more. That's good. <laughs> and how are, are you and Jay holding up here? We're good. We're tired. We're t- We're good. You're tired and you're good. And, and how are brother and sister, big brother and sister doing? How do, what do they think of baby Ethan? They love him. They've been such a good help. Oh, that's sweet. You guys keep that up. Okay, well, thank you so much for bringing Ethan to us. We're so thankful he's part of our church family. Will you guys give it up for Ethan and Tessa, please? Thank you. When you saw that baby coming out on stage, how did you react? Yeah, maybe, maybe you thought that he's so cute, right? Or maybe some of you thought, I want one. Or maybe, maybe some of you thought, that's got to be one tired mom right there. Right? However, you know, however you felt when you saw little baby Ethan here, I noticed none of you bowed down and worshiped him. None of you burst out at the sight of Ethan and and began singing his praises. Isn't that interesting, though, that that is exactly the response 
that most people had when they saw baby Jesus, according to scripture. So what was it about the birth of that little baby, the, the birth of that baby in a dirty animal pen that elicited the worship of angels and humans and wise men from the Far East? We, we don't know everything that happened at Jesus' birth because we weren't there. But the Bible tells us that a main reason that the, the angels and the shepherds and these wise men worship Jesus is because at Jesus' birth, God was keeping a very special promise. He was keeping his promise. The birth of Jesus was not unexpected. The angels and the shepherds and the wise men had been waiting for this day. They'd been waiting for God to keep his promise. You see, hundreds and even thousands of years before Jesus' birth, God raised up prophets. And he had them write down specific details about the coming birth of a Messiah, a Savior. And, and to those prophets, God revealed where Jesus would be born, who Jesus would be born to, who Jesus' ancient relatives would be, and why Jesus would be born. And then after the prophets wrote down those prophecies, the Jewish people carefully preserved them and kept them in safekeeping for many millennia as they waited for this Messiah child to be born. It's interesting, though, that in the 400 years immediately before the birth of Jesus, God had been silent. He had not given any prophets new revelations about the coming birth of Christ. And surely that sort of uh, divine silence affected the Jewish people. Surely they, they were filled with questions about God and some were tempted to doubt whether the Messiah actually would be born. Because God had promised them this deliverer, but he hadn't spoken in four centuries, you guys. That's a period of time longer than our country has been in existence. Then around the year 6 BC, God's voice finally broke into the deafening silence. And God sent angels from heaven to earth to announce that Jesus would be born. And the angels and the shepherds and the Jews and even these wise men saw that Jesus' birth perfectly aligned with all of God's ancient prophecies written hundreds of years, even thousands of years before. It's no wonder that they were filled with awe and that they bowed down to worship this baby. Tonight, it's very important that you and I also see how Jesus' birth perfectly aligned with God's plan and all of God's ancient prophecies. Because tonight, these prophecies are speaking to us. They're pointing you and they're pointing me to the reality that Jesus Christ is God. And because of his great love for us, God made himself to be born as a baby in order to rescue us 
from the penalty of our disobedience to him. And we don't have time tonight to look at all the ancient prophecies that were fulfilled at Jesus' birth, but I do want to look at the prophecies that impacted three groups of these characters or individuals mentioned in Jesus' birth story. And I hope that for the first time, or maybe for the hundredth time for you, you will join this cast of Christmas in worshiping Jesus tonight. First, let's talk about the prophecies that guided the Magi, also known as the wise men. The, the wise men had traveled hundreds, possibly thousands of miles from the east, doesn't say how far east, but from the east, probably the Middle East or further than that, they traveled to this little town of Bethlehem. And then they came to Jerusalem, which was the capital uh, first. And these men were likely scholars and astrologers. They, they were not Jewish, but they were probably familiar with the ancient writings of the Jews and the prophecies that had been given. Let's, let's read about these wise men. Matthew 2, 1 to 6 says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So, so when the wise men came to King Herod in search of Jesus, Herod uh, assembled his own team of scholars to search the scriptures to say, okay, where, where does the, the, the scripture say that the Christ is going to be born, you guys? And Herod's team did that. They agreed that the ancient prophets prophesied the Messiah is going to be born in the small town of Bethlehem in the land of Judah. And this prophecy went right hand in hand with another prophecy that had been given hundreds and hundreds of years before a prophecy the wise men may have known from Jeremiah 23.5, which says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. And so the wise men and, and Herod scholars agreed that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem and also the agreed about another thing, that the Messiah would be born in the family line of King David. And just like King David, this Messiah would be a king. But the Messiah would be a much greater king. The Messiah would be the king of kings. He would be greater than all the rulers and all the nations of the earth. He would be the king to whom all humanity should bow down and worship. And worship is the precise reason that the wise men give for traveling so far to see the baby. They say they came to worship the king. 
And after traveling to Bethlehem, we read in Matthew 2, 11, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. The wise men marveled at the precise way that God kept his promise to send the king of kings. And so they bowed down and they worshiped Jesus. Will you join the wise men tonight and worship the king of kings in this Christmas season? Second, let's talk about the fulfilled prophecies that compelled angels to worship God at Jesus' birth. What are angels exactly? Well, angels are not dead people, okay? Angels are spiritual beings created by God to serve him and to be his messengers to humans. Humans do not become angels when they die. Well, when it was time for Jesus to be conceived, God sent angels to earth to tell Jesus' parents about the supernatural birth. And then later, when the time came for Jesus to be born, God sent angels to announce to others that they should come worship the newborn king. And what we see is that the angels had a profound grasp of the cosmic implications and significance of Jesus' birth. And this is why the angels not only announced the birth of Jesus, but also they worshiped God for sending his son to be our savior. Luke 2, 8, 14 says that the following happened the night Jesus was born. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And so in the middle of the night, a multitude of the heavenly host appear in glorious light to these shepherds in this field outside of Bethlehem, and this must have freaked them out, right? They, they told, this was, these were days before electricity, okay? This was, this was you're, you're sitting out in the field, and all of a sudden, I mean, you know, this is the closest thing to a UFO appearance, okay, that these guys had ever seen. It's like, ain't, we don't know how many angels there were. There's a multitude of the heavenly hosts, but it says that the glory of God shone around them and their response at first was just fear. Just like you and me would be. I mean, that's why often in the Bible, most often the first thing an angel says is, don't be afraid <laughs> because you're afraid. You're freaked out, right? And so 
when this happens, they tell the shepherds that the Christ had been born that night, the Messiah, the Christ. But they add this detail. The Christ, the Messiah, is God himself. See, they, use, they call him the Lord, which in ancient Judaism was not a word you even spoke because they considered it so holy. And they said, this baby is the Lord. And so in the birth of Christ, we see that God is keeping his ancient promises. And hundreds of years earlier, God had promised this. He said that he alone would come to save humanity. 700 years before Jesus' birth, God proclaimed through the prophet Isaiah, I, I am the Lord, and besides me there is no Savior. So no mere human, God says, can rescue from his wrath. God has to save you and me. And he says there's no Savior but the Lord. And the angels then proclaim that the baby born in Bethlehem is the Lord. He's the Messiah, but he's also God in flesh. And so in response to the love of God revealed through this birth of Jesus, a multitude of glorious angels burst out in worship. And they're shouting, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Will you join the angels tonight and this Christmas and praise Jesus for coming? And then finally, let's look at the prophecies that compelled the shepherds to praise God at Jesus' birth. See, being a shepherd in ancient times was not a job most people admired. It was a lonely job, it was dirty, it was smelly, it didn't pay well, and yet the shepherds were still part of the Jewish community. And when God's angels appeared to the shepherds at night and told them about Jesus' birth, the shepherds, like we said, were freaked out. But the birth of the Messiah wouldn't have been a total surprise to them. The, the shepherds had likely heard or even memorized uh, this ancient prophecy that Isaiah wrote hundreds of years before in chapter 7, verse 14. It says, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So God said the sign of the Messiah is this. It's going to be unmistakable. He's going to be born to a virgin. You're not going to miss this one, okay? I'm going to make it real clear for you guys. And the Messiah is going to be called Emmanuel. And so before the shepherds burst out in worship, when they hear their, these angels, they don't worship God immediately. Instead, they decide to investigate the baby for themselves to see if this little baby really is the fulfillment of all their ancient prophecies. So Luke 2, 15 to 20 says, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. 
And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and what? Praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. So it was after that they saw for themselves that Jesus was the savior they'd been waiting for, that the shepherds, their first instinct was to do what? Go tell a lot of people about him, okay? Either they did that either that night or the next morning because that is what we instinctively do as humans when we witness something awesome and praiseworthy, we have to tell other people about it. How many people did you text last night about Marshawn Lynch? (laughs) I bet you told a few people about that, right? That is what we do. We share news of awesomeness, and that is what the shepherds did. And the passage here says that the shepherds returned to their fields after talking to people, and they just stood in their fields and they continued to glorify and praise the Lord. That was the only response they could give. Will you join the shepherds this Christmas in praise and glorify? God. The wise men, the angels, and the shepherds, they were all filled with great joy because this was great news. They were filled with awe of God. They were filled with worship because God kept his promise to send the Messiah, the Savior. At Christmas time, so many things fight for our attention. That simply adoring God and thanking God and worshiping God can, can sadly very easily fall by the wayside. And a worshipful heart toward God isn't something you can just manufacture, right? It's, you can't make yourself joyful about Jesus' birth if his birth isn't really joyful to you or good news to you. But I hope that tonight in this Christmas season you will see what the wise men saw and see what the angels saw and see what the shepherds saw because they saw and knew that they could not find lasting satisfaction in what the world had to offer them. They knew that they needed a good king of kings who they could trust to make all things right. They knew that, that they were lost. That life was not working for them without God. They knew that they needed forgiveness for their sins against God and against others. And they knew that this baby Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord himself, came to save them because they could never save themselves. And this baby, this Jesus, would grow up and he lived a life that no other person has ever lived. Jesus lived a life without sin. He lived in perfect obedience to all of God's commands in Scripture. In his 30s, after three years of public ministry, Jesus 
voluntarily laid down his life as a sacrifice to rescue everyone who would trust in him for eternal salvation and eternal life. And in this is how he did it. He laid his life down as the Lamb of God and became the sin of his people. He bore the wrath of God toward their sin for them so that they never would. And in his own death, he put their guilt and sin to death forever. That is great news. That is a God who loves us. And three days later, Jesus rose from the dead and he was declared by the Father, God the Father, to be righteous, not sinful, to be glorious, to be justified and vindicated, and to be Lord over all, and to be the one mediator between God and man. We cannot earn God's relationship. We're, we're not owed a friendship with God. We cannot earn God's forgiveness and approval of us. We can only trust in what God did for us through this baby, through Jesus. And that's why Jesus is the Savior and you're not. And I'm not. And I just encourage you to talk to Jesus tonight. God says if you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. Ask him to save you and to forgive you of your sins and to give you eternal life because he created you for your eternal joy and for his glory. And you will only find that in knowing him personally. So what is the appropriate response then for us? What's our response to the compassion that the Lord has shown us, the Lord of heaven and earth, the Lord who has laid down his life to forgive us so that we can be reconciled to himself and no longer his enemies. What we see in this passage and all throughout scripture, the appropriate response to the good news of Jesus is worship and praise and glory. It's not an effort to pay God back for what he's done for us because we can't ever, we don't even have the currency to pay God back. We just, what we see in the New Testament is over and over again, offer your lives as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. That's what we do. Because we love God and not because we have to. And so may this evening and tomorrow, the following days as you're with your family and loved ones, be filled with worship for you. Worship to Jesus in your heart, in your mind, in your body, in your soul. Please pray with me. Lord Jesus, thank you, God, for coming to save us. Lord, we're just reminded how humble your birth was, how humble your life was, living as a person without a home, as a person who came not to serve, uh, came not to be served, but to serve others and to give your life as a ransom for many. And we also believe you, Lord, that you are alive, you're in heaven, and we believe your promise that you're coming again. We thank you for that. We thank you that you're our living hope. We thank you that you've conquered sin and Satan and hell and death and disease and eternity for us, Jesus. 
And we thank you that in our trials and tribulations right now, tonight, you're with us. You're for us in Jesus Christ. May we submit to you and trust you with all that we are. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right.